the Clixie podcast with Tim Flagg. Insight, opinion and advice from the leading practitioners in digital marketing and e-commerce. More creative and lateral about the value you can create from consumers typically requires you to think across the business and not just within a marketing silo. This is the Click Z Digital Marketing Podcast, and I'm going to be talking to Andrew Campbell about customer relationship marketing and hearing how marketers can harness the latest technology to continually improve the customer experience. But first, a quick word about Click Z Intelligence. Marketers should be obsessed with customer data. It is the raw material for generating insights into what the customer is thinking. The modern marketer has an incredible opportunity to understand their customer at a level of detail that was never previously possible across all parts of the customer journey. But in order to collect and use this data, they require technology. Marketing has always been the champion of new technology within an organization, but the scale of the task and the opportunity it presents means that marketers are now driving the adoption of ever more complex pan-organizational technology stacks. Marketers must now be both technical and creative, data-focused and highly collaborative. In the latest ClickZ Intelligence report entitled Operationalizing Customer Experience, you will get access to a highly practical framework that will help you drive the technology agenda within your organization. Written by Andrew Campbell, a consultant with direct experience of implementing marketing technology for major organizations, this report is a comprehensive guide full of practical advice and checklists. The Operationalizing Customer Experience Report is exclusively available to ClickSee Intelligence founder members. Find out more by registering your interest at clickzcom forward slash intelligence. Entering CX is your priority invitation code. That's clickzcom forward slash intelligence. Welcome to the ClickSee Digital Marketing Podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by Andrew Campbell. Andrew is a MarTech hybrid. He started out gaining a computing degree, spending 10 years as a techie in a large-scale marketing systems development. He was then fast-tracked through an MBA and hopped over the wall into marketing. He's the epitome of the modern marketer with a strong technical orientation and a passion for using this to deliver standout experiences for consumers and competitive advantages for brands such as HSBC, Thomas Cook, Liverpool FC, Best Western Hotels and Dame Le Chrysler UK. And I'm particularly interested to hear more about Liverpool FC if we can bring that into the conversation later. So, Andrew, welcome to the Clickseed Digital Marketing Podcast. Morning, Tim. Nice to be here. I'm looking forward to chatting to you more today. I thought we'd first of all start off with finding out a little bit more about you. So I wondered whether you could tell us how you started in your career um, and how you got into what you're doing today. Well, I came out of university with a computing degree, um, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. So this is in the mid-80s. Computers were just um, taking root and becoming mainstream um, in, in large businesses and being used initially for more back office um, um, applications like finance and accounting and HR and operations and production management. So I went to, into SBC um, as, a, as, a, as a project manager, as a, as a systems analyst and a, and a technical developer um, and quickly got involved on the customer facing side. So I worked on the big um, ATM projects and self-service projects within the bank and then got involved in the single customer view project. So this is the late 80s and the bank was moving towards um, a customer centric marketing model. So we weren't going to flog products. 
we were going to uh, market to customers. So instead of having lots of silos of products like secured lending and current accounts and credit cards and savings, we were going to have a sensible joined-up conversation that talked to customers about their needs at different points in their customer life stage and customer life cycle and basically do customer marketing. So I built and was one of the team that built that single customer view um, and then we realized that uh, we needed to get the most out of it to make the business case um, stack up um, and that we needed to help the marketing users of our system um, deploy it better. So to apply better segmentation, to set up better triggered communications, to manage campaigns better, to develop and publish content better. So basically, long story short, I was sponsored through an MBA program um, and parachuted into marketing um, as the adult customer segment manager. So I had the privilege of, of looking after 3.6 million um, uh, adult customers within the bank um, and, and marketing to them and, and using the, the new technology that we had to, um, to, to, to give them a better experience and, and get more from, from HSBC as a bank. So I've got, I've got to ask, how big is the children sector for the bank? Uh, well, well, the, 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 the they have a, a student um, section, um, which is the, and, and a young person segment. So the young person segment is the, is the 16 to 18, and then they have a uh, that's called live cash, or was when I was there, and that was your your child account, that was your starter entry level account, and then you moved into student banking, and then you moved into full adult banking, um, and those were the key segments. And so obviously the adult segment was the, was the main one that uh, that I looked after um, because we wanted to 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 hit the big big play basically we wanted to make a, a difference in our biggest segment which was um, these 3.6 million adult um, um, customers great and actually you were talking about the single customer view there and saying you were actually developing that in the 80s that seems pretty advanced actually a lot of companies even today are still struggling with this concept of um, understanding what the single customer view means let alone being able to put in place the technology to bring together that insight so um sounds like you're fairly advanced yes and i think the financial services sector was i mean to be fair it was what was defined as a single customer view then we were in a simpler world tim where the internet wasn't mainstream. There was no internet banking, and I remember being involved in those initial conversations. I remember First Direct being spun off in the in the late nineties. So even telephone banking was quite radical. So we basically had a single channel. We had the branch as our main network, and we had transactions that related to products, and we had some inquiries, and we had some some surveys, and we had some other interactions with customers. But it was a much simpler world that we were living in. In in, in terms of the single customer view at that time it was a much simpler proposition in terms of the transactions we were dealing with and, and the channels we were dealing with but it was definitely the case that um, as we built the single customer view out and were able to talk to customers in a very customer centric rather than a product led uh, manner we were able to to deliver the benefits of the of the uh, the joined up marketing and the joined up customer experience that we'd promised from this more customer centric approach to marketing and you mentioned you then got sponsored to go and do an MBA was that specifically to give you the understanding of of how marketing could make use of some of these insights that you'd been gathering from the more data side of the business yes and that was that I 
I was a techie. I was a I was a programmer, come through a systems analyst and a project manager. So I hadn't learnt in any great depth about brand management, uh, about media planning, um, about segmentation, about product management and proposition development, and all the things that marketers need to do well if they're to deliver a, a very strong offering into the marketplace. So I, I I went through that theoretical schooling and grounding, um, and then I was dropped to a marketing department to apply and practice those skills surrounded by proper professional marketers um, and it took me probably a year or two to fully get up that learning curve but I think what I brought into the team was this understanding of the mar marketing technology and some of the opportunities that it afforded uh, us and enabled for us as, as a business and as a brand so I think we had a nice balance there of, of a technical perspective married with this marketing business perspective. Fascinating background and I really want to pick up on the, a couple of words you mentioned there this is the marketing technology and also the insights into the customer through data but we'll come back to that um in the, a, a bit later on um could you just continue on telling us a, about where you went um next because i think you were saying you were at hsbc where did you go after that hsbc moved all that to london i would never have left hsbc but i didn't want to go to london i was based in, in sheffield and i ended up uh, leaving and joining an agency in, in bradford a direct marketing agency um called judith donovan associates and that was classic mail order um, direct marketing territory planning director role there uh, so i was able to apply these principles and these skills that i developed not just to one client but as an agency across a number of clients so we work with people like booper and uh, morgan stanley stanley dean witter launching their credit card we work, work with uh, abbey national and a host of kind of blue chip brands and i was basically able to do more of the stuff i really enjoyed which was the planning and the design of great crm programs and the the delivery and execution of them um, with a whole host of, of great brands. So it really gave me a much broader bandwidth to forge my um, skills and experience in a number of different sectors, B2B and B2C, and across a number of different brands. Um, from there, I, I carried on that agency world and, and, and joined an Omnicom agency called Wav Rap Collins in Leeds, doing the same thing, really, this marketing meets tech. Um, and, and the, operating in that um, intersection between those disciplines. And, and that's where at, at, at WAV we were working with the Best Westerns and the Interfloras of this world, with Centre Parks, with Liverpool Football Club um, and, and a whole host of other brands. Great. No, I just have to give a cheer every time I hear Liverpool fo Football Club <laughs> mentioned. <laughs> so, uh, which team do you support? Well, I'm a season ticket at uh, Manchester United. So uh, I, I was, well, at least they're red. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> At least we got that in common. And so then after working agency side, um, is that when you then set up as, as more of a consultancy yourself? Yes, I set up a couple of businesses um, and, and as a more on the tech supply side, but still with this marketing orientation. And I set up and sold one of those, and then I joined a, another one that subsequently got up, uh, acquired. So working through on the, on the supply side of the business, I'd got agency um, experience in terms of designing the programs and, and, and supporting customers in designing great marketing solutions for their uh, consumers. And then I was working more on the tech side and that was with a, um, a, a, a Identex, which was a, a business that was funded by uh, Omnicom that we grew um, and subsequently um, um, merged with the, the agency. And then I worked with an, an outfit um, that was uh, a US outfit called Click Squared um, that um, did more digital, social, mobile 
but still doing the same thing of how do you get technology to work very hard for brands and for consumers. So I was going to ask you, when did you start to see the overlap between customer experience and developing some of this marketing technology? But it sounds like right from the beginning of your career, almost that you've been, you've you've actively sought out that sort of overlap. Yes, I thought that was, I thought that was a winning combination. And I'm a, I'm a bit of a butterfly anyway, to be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm a June birthday. I'm a Gemini, Tim. So I've definitely got this mildly schizophrenic um, approach to life, and I love that variety. So that 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 right brain, left brain, whatever you want to call it, um, combination of 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 of, uh, of skills and and. And, and abilities i definitely like that the science meets the art and, and this mix of marketing and, and 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 tech was a perfect outlet for that it's become a very popular term in the last couple of years marketing technology you've got people like uh, scott brinker chief martech um i've seen quite a few more titles that people have relating to marketing technology directors etc but what changes have you seen uh, as you've sort of been working with fellow travelers in similar spaces is there more required requirements for it now are people taking it more seriously what, what are the big changes I, I think the amount of money that's been spent in there and, and, and the imperative that's created for marketers to justify a return on investment the, the huge shift in consumer behaviors and adoption of consumer technologies that open up new opportunities around social and, and mobile and, and and digital so really there's a there's there's an imperative that's been created where marketers have got to get good at this stuff and and if they don't it's not just a side issue it's not just a suboptimal channel issue that they've got it it's a particular deal breaker it's a particular it's a fundamental flaw potentially in their ability to to drive the business forward so i think the the bar was raised so high that marketers had to figure out a way of getting over it and realized that they had to collaborate with other people to get over it and that was up the line into the c-suite and to make sure that they really had the support and the buy-in of of, of the executive um, and board level buy-in because it has to be a, a significant strategic play if it's to work and across the functions so they had to be very kind of collaborative with their IT and tech colleagues, with their sales colleagues and with their service and operational colleagues. So it, it became a, a must-win battle, if you like, for marketers that they had to get their hands on tech, they had to get their arms around tech in, in, in terms of a, a, a key enabler of their success. So I think that was that, that's the thing that, that, that has driven marketers I think now that they've moved down this route, I see people embracing it a lot more willingly. I think initially it was a, a bit of a, um, a survival instinct that was kicking in. Mm. I think now people are, are looking at it and think, actually, that, that there's a chance to, to, to set ourselves apart. There's a, there's a chance to, to build something that really is different in the marketplace and, and get famous for it, both personally in, in their careers and um, their brands through the success that they achieve in the marketplace. So I think that's the change that I've seen, that the marketers 
realize what they need to do um, and then embrace it. And, and, and without a doubt, there are more MarTech hybrid roles in, in organizations now where these two disciplines are working together um, and, and doing a good job on behalf of their brands and their consumers. I, I definitely agree. And I think data has been driving a lot of this because now we have so much data coming into the marketing team that marketing managers need to be able to be very analytic. They need to be technical to be able to set up all the reports and the dashboards etc to bring it in and they're being held increasingly more accountable by the c-suite who, who want to know that if they're investing money um what are the um what are the results what's the return yes. on investment um so that requires a, a, a different type of skill but also marketers need to know things like html now to be able to um, manage um you know not necessarily having to code but having to manage yes. some of those cms's uh, in the system as well um you, you talked a minute ago about this of left brain right brain um if you had to say which of those two is important the more creative or analytic skills which, which one would you say is the most important for a marketer today people will lean naturally towards one or the other but actually they they are they are peers the technical ability to to manage data and mine data and create insights and and model customer journeys and define segments and, and to, to track and measure results. All that scientific side of, of marketing, those are the, the, the disciplines and the capabilities that enable the great thinkers and, 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 and the big thinkers. And they absolutely power innovation and creativity in, in designing value propositions. And when I talk creativity, I'm not talking about the, the look and feel of, of, of a marketing program. I'm talking about the essence of it. What does it mean to a consumer? Where does it create value for them? How is that value d delivered? And, and what does it mean? So this whole creative approach to customer journey mapping and modeling and customer experience design, you, you, can, you can't be consistently and, and and scalably and rigorously good at that creativity and that innovation without a really strong basis of of insight and 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 and, and, and and interaction management without the ability to talk to consumers and engage them and find things out about them you can't then use that knowledge to serve them better so i genuinely believe that organizationally you have to have that absolute balance between the two. Clearly, individuals will typically play in one or other of those spaces more naturally. And people like me will be the, the, the bridge builders and, 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 and the, the link men to make sure that the insight team does serve the creative team and, and that the, if we're, if we're um, mining data to create insights about sentiment or social behaviours or the interaction of channels and cross-channel purchasing patterns, I'm the one that hopefully can have that technical conversation and feed that into the creative process. So organisationally, 50-50. Individuals, I think you need to have one or other of those skill sets will be more developed, but you do need an understanding of the other other aspects of life. Usually the creatives that are good at handling uncertainty and conceptualizing and imagine, imagineering, for want of a better word, hmm. they, they hate the, the more tied down structured world of of of, of martech so you, you know you do have to have a certain psychological profile i think to play in this this kind of middle ground 
I wanted to to ask about uh, customer experience in a bit more depth now. Um, we kind of got onto it just before, but I wanted to find some examples that you can think of where customer experience has led to some really uh, impactful changes or campaigns or or um, return on investment for marketers. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll cite some of those examples from a personal experience actually, because I think that's when when I I sit up and take note. But if I look at Virgin Media, Virgin Media. You Used to be a bag of washing in terms of customer service, be it on the on their call centres, be it on their field engineers, be it on their service in delivery of broadband and TV services. But as a customer now, I I see a, a, a step change. Certainly over the past, and I'm going back maybe five six years since I I started being a customer. But their purchasing process, their pre-support, which package should I buy, helping me to pick and configure the right product for my needs because there is a degree of complexity and they have simplified that process from a consumer's point of view that then flows into the installation process and you get your acknowledgement uh, emails you get your text alerts that the engineer is coming the following day he turns up he puts the little bags on his feet um, he's very courteous he's obviously very well trained he comes in and, and he does what he needs to do technically drills whatever holes he needs and connects whatever whatever why as he does but also he, he takes you through the uh, the new set top box you've got he advises you about the features he talks to you he's clearly very well briefed he's got his little tablet and i didn't look what was on it but i'm pretty certain that there was my account details and the package i'd signed up for and the kind of content i'm interested in and what i was looking um to to use the service for and it was it was the fiber optic broadband and that was just done really well. He did a demo. He did a device test in terms of line speeds. And, and he really, you could tell that he was on brand. And I mm. think Virgin have got a, a, an absolute focus on what they're trying to be and the promises they want to make a consumer. And, and it's all about simplicity and it's all about um reassuring people and, and being personal i'm sure there's there's a there's a rock solid brand platform that is is being executed superbly in the field and that could be the field engineer it could be the contact center operative it could be the instant uh, on the phone it could be the instant message link when i click the website these are all powerful customer touch points aren't they i mean people they often think about it just being sort of like the online experience but you're right the actual physical um, embodiment of that brand is that person crossing the threshold coming into your home. That's right. And that's why these face-to-face -face moments of truth. And I, I had an experience with Staples. I, 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 I was having some printed cartridges delivered. I put the address in wrongly so the cartridges couldn't be delivered. They didn't turn up. I got an email alerting me to that. I went onto the um, self-serve portal, tracked my order, looked in my account, explained why. I was able to change the and correct the address detail. Um, and I also clicked on the instant message link, help link, and the operator confirmed what had happened and that the thing would be delivered the next day. Um, and then the delivery driver turned up and delivered the um, uh, cartridges the following day. But the impressive thing about that one was that he was a DHL driver. So he wasn't even working for Staples. He was part of their supply chain. So what's gone on there is behind the scenes the back office system, um, the the ERP system, is, is is as joined up as the front office. So it's great to have that consistent experience as a consumer across instant messaging and web and, and SMS and email and direct mail. 
but it's also vital in that instance that the back office systems were talking to each other. Whose responsibility is it to ensure that there is all that coordination going on within your organisation? Is that marketing technology or is that more customer um, service? Where does that sit? So in the case of Staples, you've got a good CTO. You've got a, a head of technology in there that knows that his responsibilities are to HR, to finance, to ops, um, to um, logistics and supply chain management and to marketing. So the CTO, he's he's got a set of internal stakeholders. It's not just marketing, but marketing is the guy that's representing the customer's interests. So he will say, this is what I want to achieve for my consumer. And increasingly in big businesses like a Staples or a Virgin or an O2 that are doing this well, you get these Sometimes they're, they're chief information officer roles, but these are guys that, and girls that are operating in between those two so that the, the, the technology strategy is serving all those key business functions in the business and marketing specifically is looking at that data and those insights to say, how do I make great marketing decisions? The finance guy wants to make great yield management decisions and pricing um, uh, decisions and, and cost management decisions. The ops management wants to make good resource allocation decisions. HR wants to make good remuneration and, and, and um, performance management decisions. So everybody wants to make good decisions. So good data analyzed well is, is, the, is the, and that's these insights make for good decisions that work well for the business and work well for the consumer. In marketing's case, we've got a very much a marketing lens on that um, ability. Different disciplines, the HR, IT, and, and, and uh, um, finance and ops, they have a different lens on life, but the, the CTO has got to serve them all. And therefore, you, what you need is a great enterprise-wide view of, uh, of technology strategy, and then you need a, a specific functional view of how do we get the best out of that. And then hopefully then you get a good infrastructure and good standard and um, technology strategy that serves the whole of the business and each function within that can then fill their boots pursuing their particular goals and objectives from that really rock solid data art and systems architecture. I think this sort of organisation you've been describing sounds um, quite developed and it certainly would suit a large organisation. But I know a lot of the marketers who are listening to this might be coming from smaller organisations or not-for-profits where they don't have as much resource to be able to implement that. Um, what would be your sort of experience and advice um, maybe for a marketer who's who, who buys into everything you said but doesn't necessarily have um, something like a CTO or someone to help them bring that technology in and, and um, percolate those insights right across the business? I think that's where you, you have to look and be smart enough to see what's going on in general terms. That The functions are the same whether you're large or small. You will have data management. You will have insight and decisioning. You will have business intelligence and reporting. You'll have content management, campaign management, and the presentation layer, the publishing layer, how, how do we interact with consumers. Whether you're big or small, you will have those components. And that could be marketing cloud, if you're Aviva and spending millions and millions of pounds, or it could be SurveyMonkey as your, as, as your survey tool and, and uh, an open source web, web content management system and uh, some freeware email software. You have to understand that what your the functional capability of your CRM and, and, and uh, system is is common. It's just a, a question of scale, and who makes the decisions and plans and designs that that system, and then who uses it to do great things for customers. 
in Aviva, that will be different teams of people. You'll have a proposition team, you'll have a brand team, you'll have a product team, you'll have a, a web and an e-commerce team. In, in, in a small business, that might be one person, but the, the disciplines and, and, and the approach in each area is common. So you may you may be as a marketer, you might be the the person that's designing the, the the value proposition and responsible for the product strategy and the pricing and the channel mix. That might be all in one person's head, and you might have a, an IT function that's main job is to support your operations and billing but they are going to build you some marketing capability they are going to give you some personalization capability on your website some triggered email marketing capability and the ability to to publish content on social media you can be doing that at a micro scale and i would say that the technology model and the crm cx planning model is absolutely generic and the only difference is one of scale and then you need to just understand how am I going to do these things? Because whether you're big or small, you need to know what you're going to do and, and what you want to achieve for consumers. Mm-hmm. And then you need to know how you, do, how you do it. And the structure of the report was trying to, to work towards that and break it down into, into a, a very, very kind of bite-sized chunks about what do you need to do? What do you need this MarTech stack to do? And then how do we get this MarTech stack to, to achieve that? And whether you're large or small, you will be doing the same things. It's just that some of those things will be done by multiple individuals and separate teams in a large organization, whereas it's one person um, doing combining the roles in a small outfit. So we've talked a lot about the sort of the technology um, working with things like a, a CTO or the IT team um, to implement. But what other challenges do you think marketers would experience when they're trying to build a more customer-centered um, process and, and operation? The very practical problem I see in most businesses, even not, not necessarily the largest business, but even some of the mid-tier, second-tier players, is I, I don't see a formal approach to marketing. I don't see customer journeys mapped out and modeled. I don't see customer lifecycle um, mapped out and, and, and documented, formally documented in terms of here are the key stages, here is how customers make purchase decisions. Here is their pre-purchase awareness stage. Here, here, here is their um, active evaluation and consideration and comparison stage. Here's pre-purchase, post-purchase, um, in life or in trip or um, in product um, interactions. And those customer journeys and customer life cycles need to be written down. And you need to know what's going on at each stage. You need a good insight, research, and data mining function to say, what are these people thinking, feeling, and doing? Now, without that business record of what's going on, and, and hopefully you can you can hear from that, that it, it needs to be a very structured and detailed definition of what's going on. It's hard for marketers to then make it better. Because what you want to mm. do, when it's written on a wall, you can then look at it with your operations colleagues and with your e-commerce colleagues and with your frontline staff and say, where are the pain points? Where are the barriers? Where did customers get tripped up? Where, where do they get upset? Where do they need reassurance? Then you can start to design 
a better customer journey and a better customer experience. Then we've got a question to answer, but we've got the right question. Finding the answer to it in terms of do we need self-service on the website? Do we need a ring, uh, uh, an automatic ring-back facility for, for customers that need support? Do we need an instant messaging feature on the website? Do we need SMS text alerts to tell people that people are coming, um, that engineers are visiting? Do we need geolocation to identify people when they walk in a store? that's how do we make things better. But I think for me, you, you need to be asking the right questions because we've got a finite amount of resource and a finite amount of time as marketers. So we've got to be doing the right things. And that that that's, might seem a very simple, obvious requirement to know what it is that we're doing and to really prioritize our investments. But I don't see many businesses outside the big clients that have got big brand teams and big proposition teams and big CX teams. They're brilliant at it. And, and mm. that's why they, they can design these things very rigorously. But we could do that on a, on a CX canvas there's lots of tony zambito's one a, a crm planning canvas and it talks about what are your key segments what does your customer journey look like can you just talk about that a little bit more because that sounds quite interesting a lot of people listening to this might be thinking they they don't really know where to start um and are there good resources out there are there good templates to allow them to kind of then fill in from their own perspective what a customer journey looks like yes and and that's what we try to pull out in the report but in the operationalizing um, CRM and CX report because we wanted it to be very practitioner-based and very applied. And if you look at the, the, the McKinsey model for the customer decision journey or the ZMOT, the Google model for mm. how do people make decisions in the digital age, that's obviously a generic vanilla model, but you can apply that to a retail scenario, to a not-for-profit donation scenario, to um, a hotel booking. You can take that vanilla wireframe, tailor it to your particular brand and, and customer segment and value proposition, and use it as, as your paint-by-numbers framework. Clearly, everybody will have a different view and, and, and set of, of, of customer journeys and customer segments and, 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 and customer purchase uh, processes. But the McKinsey work, Forrester have got some great, great work. As I say, someone like Tony Zambito, they've all got good resources, downloadable resources, which are templates and checklists that, that, that you can use. And a lot of the service design agencies, service design is basically how do you do customer experience well. Service design is a discipline about how do you make sure you meet consumers' needs at each, each stage of a customer journey. They tend to have matured a method and a process for designing better customer journeys and it typically is what what are the stages of the customer journey in a purchase process what are people doing at each stage what, what are people thinking and feeling how can i make that better where are yeah. the pain points and and so any of those um those sources you would be able to access resources that that you should be able to use as a toolkit basically fantastic one of the things you've mentioned is gathering these insights um some of them based upon data and it's i think fairly um obvious where that data is coming from that's just we've got so much of it now coming through all of our systems but from a qualitative perspective how would you um recommend people 
are able to get the sort of deeper um, insight into what their customers are thinking and, and as they progress through that customer journey, how those feelings change. Well, classic market research and, and qualitative research, you know, focus groups, deep dive research is still still valid. Um, it's anecdotal, targeted using a customer journey model that says, do you know what, we feel that um, customers are particularly worried at this point of the decision journey. It's about price. It's about whether they're getting the best deal and, and, and price comparison prior to purchase is a key issue we need to address. You could find that out via classic qualitative research techniques by talking to a, a statistically representative group of customers in a focus group. It might flush out that issue. You would also find that issue if you were getting big abandon rates on your website when it came to progressing to purchase. So there's a quantitative pointer to that issue as well. What we're seeing in First 10, which is my agency, we are increasingly deploying interactive content components. These could be a vote or a poll or a mini survey or vote on a, on, on a, on a photo board. But basically, you're giving consumers the chance to talk to you. And if they talk to you and, and you can collect that data, you can infer what might be going on in their heads. So if, if you're a, um, uh, an airline and, and, and a consumer is engaging with lots of long haul related content, you, you would assume that, well, they, they look to be interested in long haul, but they're very early in the purchase decision journey. So using content, putting content out there, either off-site on, on, the, on the, the Facebook um, or Instagram, Pinterest-type platforms and seeing what people interact with, or on your website, and, and specifically giving them a chance to interact. Let them vote or like or comment or share or rate. Get them to do something that gives you an insight. And those insights can be qualitative. If I'm looking at lots of long-haul Caribbean um, content, I am suggesting that I am inclined to be planning a trip uh, long-haul in the winter to the Caribbean. That is as much qualitative, attitudinal, as it is quantitative. And that's the beauty of content marketing, I think. Content marketing, is, it's so easy to publish content and collect data now. The key is to collect the right type of data. What does that mean? Does that mean I'm traveling to um, uh, the Caribbean in February or am, am, am I researching on behalf of my parents for their golden wedding anniversary? You, you need to be smart enough to validate those readings. But I would expect brands to be able to, to, to talk to consumers, not just via surveys and asking them, are you price sensitive, but by giving them a range of products and saying, which of these do you believe represents the most value for money? Which, which of these believe, do you believe would give you the, the, the best service in the long run over the lifetime of a product? That, that's a smarter way to understand likely purchase intent, um, brand perceptions. Which of these brands do you, do, you most, do you buy most common? Are you a little person, a Sainsbury's person, or a Waitrose person? The way that someone asks, answers that question gives you some indications about their broader attitudinal beliefs and circumstances. I'd like to follow that theme a little bit and ask about the actual platforms which you might use for your CRM, because a number of the more sophisticated platforms um, will allow you to 
publish content on your on your domain as well. So you know you started talking about things like uh, white papers or guides or surveys, those kind of yeah. things. And some of the the more sophisticated CRMs allow you to do that, and they'll be able to integrate. So you can set up your personas. You can see then which content those personas are interacting with, and if people are interacting with certain types of content, like you mentioned, you could um, allocate certain lead scores within the CRM based upon specific rules um, to be able to, yes. to develop those pictures. So a lot of it's done within um, the sort of CRM platform now. Um, could you just sort of elaborate for us what you see as the, the potential and what are the, the what should a marketer be looking for when they're looking for a platform for CRM? I think the, 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 the functional model that we outlined where whether you're big, medium-sized or small, the bedrock of any good CX CRM platform will be data. You have to have a rock solid data management capability. That data has then got to be fed into some kind of insights component and and some kind of reporting tool. And that could be um, Crystal Reports or Excelsius. It could be a, a shrink raft, 30 quid a um, purchase um, um, piece of reporting software, but you need to know what that what 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 data you've got, and at, at its simplest level, report on it and, and have a good dashboard and, and have good tracking of the key metrics in terms of I don't know conversion or lifetime value or lapse rate. Then you need some kind of capability to to action that data. So it's one thing having a record of what's in that data, but we want to use it. I want to trigger a welcome email. I want to trigger um, uh, an email that says your order's been delayed. I want, when you visit my website, to talk to you as a customer because I know that you've a, you, you're already a registered user of my site. Those are decisions. So you need to have some kind of decisioning capability. And that could be embedded within your email engine and your website, or it could be a separate piece of software running against the database that then acts as middleware. But you need the delivery presentation layer components, web, social, mobile, email, contact center. Those those touch points need to be very personalized. And the way that you personalize them is having some kind of decisioning capability which uses the data to deliver a personalized, relevant message that reflects the fact that I'm a member of your loyalty program or that I'm a high-value customer. So that decisioning capability is key. But the decisioning capability, you need to keep track of what you said and when and to whom. There will be some kind of campaign management capability that enables you to use that intelligence to, to deliver the right message to the right person at the right time at the front end. And finally, you need a content management capability. If you're having these personalized conversations, you need the image and the copy and, and the content that relates to a high-value member of your loyalty scheme that is a registered user on your website. What is in that skyscraper ad or that, um, that, 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 that placeholder, that variable content on the homepage? Those are the core building blocks of any MarTech system. So data... BI and reporting, business intelligence reporting, the um, uh, decisioning, campaign management, content management, and then the presentation end, social, email, web, mobile, contact center. You could draw that functional footprint and whether you're a kitchen table, e-commerce business, or you're a Viva, you will have those key components in terms of your MarTech capability. The question then is, right, exactly what piece of software will provide that data management? And there'll be you know, a dozen different 
data management platforms and there'll be a dozen different inside decisioning. Picking the right one is all about that selection process, yeah. but you need to figure out, first of all, what do I need? What are the moving parts? And that should be relatively straightforward for you to define now following a good structured approach to, to systems design and development. And the way you've described the CRM, it, it's very clear how integral that is, not just to marketing, but to the entire organization. You know, it has inputs from sales and customer services, um, yeah. but right across the whole operations, it needs to be integrated there. Do you see still the, the CRM being very much siloed in organizations you're working with, or, or are organizations now realizing that it has to be kind of like a multifunctional uh, technology? The beauty of of that data management layer, if it's architected well, it can take feeds from anywhere. So you do not, if, if I take a client, I work with a train operating company, we did know um, service data. We did know when trains were late. So if your train was late, I would, and you had booked direct on the website, I knew that you'd bought that ticket on that 11 o'clock from Leeds to London. If the train was late, because we had a feed from the operational um, system, I would trigger an apology email and an automatic delay repay payment. You wouldn't have to fill in your survey. If, if the train's more than an hour late, you get refunded, basically. Now, in the past, you had to get your paper survey from the guard, fill it in, pop it in the post, and then you'd get a check six weeks later, probably. Now, that customer experience has been transformed with the automated delay replay. That's only possible because we've got the data coming in from the operational system. Now, pre previously, people would have said that operational train service data is nothing to do with marketing. Why would marketing want their, yeah. want their hands on? But I do want to know what's going on. I want asset management. So if Guildford Station has got another 200 car parking spaces or if Guildford Station will be closed tomorrow... I want to know that because I want to service customers. I want to I want to communicate with customers and add value to them by telling them that that car park or or the station will, will, will won't won't be open until midday due to engineering works. In the past, that's asset management. That's all. That that's nothing to do with marketing. But being more creative and lateral about the value you can create from consumers typically requires you to think across the business and not just within a marketing silo. So anyone who's in a silo thinking marketing uh, will will do it all is, is going to really struggle to, to make a big payback. And that, that doesn't just mean marketing talking to sales and service, which are normally the three areas of customer touch points. But you've also got, hopefully you can see from those examples, you've got to think beyond that and think about operations and logistics. So my Staples example where the DHL driver was able to come and, and deliver and I could log on to his portal to change my address. Mm. That data is, is, is operational data. It goes outside of sales and service as well. So the, the ripples have spread a, a lot wider and you need marketers that are smart enough to be able to handle that. Uh, that view of the world. You, you make it sound very easy. I know because we're, we're simplifying to try and get the point across but the actual process of setting up a very integrated system that can be quite complex um, I've worked on a couple of um, integrations trying to build uh, internal uh, legacy systems um, around a CRM um, or bringing a, a new CRM in, in, and then having to implement a new CRM but what is your advice to a marketer who's kind of thinking, well, I, I could maybe start to try and understand more about the, the IT side of it, the technical side of it. Do, do they need to really sort of understand from a, 
uh, from a systems integrations perspective and have the, the, the similar sort of insight that you might have as someone coming from the IT background? Yeah, I think that there should be on one sheet of paper a systems and data architecture diagram. The, the two things that the marketer needs is that, that 20,000 foot view of the moving parts. What are the system components? Which talk to which, and, and how do they talk to to each other? What what basically flows between them? So, on a single piece of paper, you should be able to get a good understanding of how the data flows around your organisation and what it's being used for. And the other thing you need is a logical data model. You should have visibility on, and it's a logical data model. So the data might live in physically different systems, but you should be able to say, "This is my customer data set. This is my transactional data set. This is my contact and response history." This is my inquiry data. Here's my complaint data. Without the visibility and understanding of what data you've got to work with, it's like a painter not knowing what paints he's got on his on his easel on on his canvas. Um, rather, to if you don't know what you've got to work with, it's very difficult. If you've only got four primary colours, then you probably paint a different picture to the one if you've got lots of variants of colour pre-mixed, ready to use. And, and that visibility comes from your tech function helping you to help yourself so that view of the systems and data architecture and the data model and then you can have good ideas you can have you can say well actually that delay repay system that currently requires on manually input data from a questionnaire being fed into a refund and, and, and compensation system that triggers an outbound direct mail piece with a check in it hang on a minute we could do that better if i could feed that data into my decisioning engine I could trigger an email apology and an automatic refund into the website. So you're right, it's not easy. Interestingly enough, the smaller you are, the less money you've got and, and then the less technological um, uh, firepower you can afford. But because you're small, you can knit these things together. So the good thing for the small guys, I think it's easier for them to achieve this integration, possibly manually yeah. and, and less formally. But I, I do think that marketers need systems data architecture diagram to understand what what systems are doing what and, and what talks to, to to which other system and then that logical data model we're not expecting marketers to become techies not not everybody will have come from my um, kind of historical background and, and, and I've got deep discipline and domain expertise but IT have to help marketers play this game and that's this middle ground where someone like me should be serving that up and helping marketers to think about what are what's the art of the possible what if that system provided that data in real time rather than overnight what if I did have visibility of that DHL delivery data rather than it being in a separate system that's what marketers should be doing but I do think they need to be primed and and enabled with a good understanding of what systems and data we've got and particularly the logical view of that data. Well, Andrew, we're going to have to bring things to a close now. Um, it's been incredible to learn so much about how we can use the customer insights, which we can gather from so many different disparate points now, bringing all that together um, through the technology and into us sort of a joined up customer relationship management platform to then be able to really implement some, some truly effective uh, strategies. And, and I've really enjoyed um, hearing the case studies as well could you just tell us a little bit about how we can um, stay in touch and find out more about you i'm very happy to connect with uh, anyone that's interested in carrying on the conversation via linkedin so to just search on linkedin and, and i do this for a living so my i work with a, uh, a content marketing agency called first 10 so my email address is andrew at first 
martech10.co.uk. And, and in essence, my job is to, to, to put the MarTech back end, all this, all this tech that we've been talking about, to power a great video and animation and, and content offering. So I, I, I'm, I've moved on to the, the latest incarnation of, of marketing and, and creative and content meets tech, uh, and I'm enjoying every minute of it as well. Thanks again, Andrew. My pleasure, Tim. Cheerio. Have you been inspired by what you've heard today? Then check out the latest ClickZ intelligence report entitled Operationalizing Customer Experience and access a range of practical insights and case studies that will help you understand the opportunity for marketers to drive the technology agenda in your organization. You'll learn how to harness the latest marketing technology to put customer experience at the heart of everything that you do. Operationalizing customer experience is one of a number of actionable reports available from ClickZ Intelligence. I hope you've enjoyed hearing from our speaker today. And if you'd like to learn more about founder membership of ClickZ Intelligence, then visit clickz.com forward slash intelligence to register your interest. Enter the word CX as your priority invitation code. ClickZ, the original digital business intelligence company founded in 1997 provides best practice advice, trends and insight from leading analysts and practitioners to a global community of more than 100,000 digital marketing and e-commerce professionals. We'll be talking to more of our experts over the next few weeks. Until then, keep up to date with ClickSee. Thank you for listening and bye for now.